right, we are back. Let's talk about a bunch of stuff that's piled up here, starting with uh, viewpoints for the Sacramento Bee from Bruce Maiman, described as a former radio show host. I must say that although it used to be on KFBK, noted for its conservative slant, I sometimes find myself uh, agreeing with Mr. Maiman, particularly in this column when he asks, why oppose public health research on guns? To excerpt from it, Mr. Maiman starts out asking, does the availability of high-capacity magazines increase deaths? Do more vigorous background checks help? Sadly, these questions cannot be fully answered because federal funding for such research was cut off years ago. He notes that in 1995, the Center for Disease Control was stressing the importance of studying the public health impact of guns. And when Art, Dr. Art Kellerman of Emory University put out a study in, 19, in 1996, which was funded by the CDC, found that a gun kept in a home rather than provide protection was in fact 43 times more likely to cause the death of a family member. Mr. Maiman notes the NRA freaked out and lobbied lawmakers to cut CDC funding on gun research. That'll help. And of course, Congress obediently obliged and removed $2.6 million from the CDC budget, which is what they'd spent on gun research the year before. Maiman notes that the last week, the president reversed that decision in an executive order instructing the CDC and other agencies to, re to resume research into the causes and prevention of gun violence. Uh, he then goes on to note that uh, there's some people that disagree with this approach, saying, no, we've got all the stats we need. Quoting a man named John Lott, who said that government funding is biased, creating politically slanted data against guns. Then quotes uh, our local Dr. Garen Wintemute as saying, nonsense. Dr. Wintemute is the director of the Violence Prevention Research Program at UCD, who had his, uh, by the way, CDC funding cut in 1996, causing him to have to fund the Davis program, out of his own pocket currently. Garen Winnemute uh, added later in the piece, what serious scientist argues against taking on the important questions that can only be answered by collecting new data? Maiman notes that years of well-funded injury prevention research have reduced deaths in automobile crashes, fires and drownings, without banning cars, swimming pools, or matches. So why not guns? Well... We have to say we applaud the president taking this on uh, so soon in his second term and hope this is a harbinger of more things to come. We're going to have to bring uh, Bruce Maiman uh, on this program. We did interview Dr. Gary Windemute some years ago. We're going to have to bring him back, too. We also want to bring Tom Knudsen on this program for his uh, ongoing series about California's misnamed Fish and Wildlife Department, which seems to think that uh, shooting predators is uh, what it ought to be doing. Tom Newton's latest piece on January 26th noted that um, the California Department of Fish and Wildlife uh, had to cancel a one-day uh, clinic they were offering on hunting predators in California. That was to take place in the, apparently the Yolo Wildlife Area in Davis. Piece notes that this incident is part of a brewing conflict over the department's predator management. One that last Friday surfaced in the legislature when Senator Jerry Hill, a San Mateo Democrat, introduced a bill that would give the department more non-lethal options in responding to conflicts between people and mountain lions. Notes that the catalyst for that bill was the fatal shooting of two lion cubs by department staff in Half Moon Bay on December 1st. Wildlife advocates were outraged. And apparently Jennifer, article quotes Jennifer Fearing, California director of the Humane Society, is saying... Their attitude and ethos toward predators as, is out of step with the scientific underpinnings of predator management and public values. There's a lot we can say about that topic, but I think we're going to have to hold off till we can get to Tom Newsom to speak with us, which I hope he will do in the 
in the weeks to come. And uh, we've, we've asked Marcos Breton to, uh, to consider coming on this program in the past. and doesn't seem to be terribly interested in it, but I feel the need to back him up from time to time, such as when he uh, mouthed off about uh, our homeless situation in the greater Sacramento-Davis area. And I feel the need to say a few words in support of his uh, January 27th piece about Richard Hirschfeld. To quote from Mr. Bertone, what's it going to take to revive the death penalty in California and to begin exacting punishment on those who deserve the ultimate sentence? It was a question that cried out of a Sacramento courtroom as Richard Hirschfeld, yet another murderer devoid of humanity, was sentenced to receive a lethal injection. No one believed it would ever be administered. Not in a state where capital punishment has been suspended since 2006. Said, said Marcos Breton, that is not justice considering the details of Hirschfeld's abduction and murder of a teenage couple in unspeakable ways that cannot be fully described in a family newspaper. It is not justice considering that a majority of Californians support the death penalty and voted two months ago to defeat a well-funded initiative to repeal it. It is not justice considering that Hirschfeld's judgment came a full 32 years after he killed Sabrina Marie Gonsalves and John Harold Riggins. Both were 18 at students at UC Davis in 1980 when their innocent lives intersected with Hirschfeld on a foggy night that, was, that has haunted their loved ones ever since. He goes on, What can be done? It's hard to imagine the state legislature will ever work to reform the death penalty and speed up endless delay tactics. Liberal Democrats run the table in California and Republicans are irrelevant. For years, a stream of death penalty reform bills died in the Senate Public Safety Committee. The ACLU is certain to take another run at repealing the death penalty. The Chief Justice of California's Supreme Court has predicted it would take three more years to sort out lawsuits that stopped implementation of the death penalty in 2006. Now, what surprises me about this piece is apparently what's stopping the process in California is this issue about uh, how using multiple drugs could cause death row inmates to suffer inhumanely. Peace quotes a former U.S. attorney in Sacramento saying the way to, to clear the pathway is to have voters approve using a single drug, a one-drug protocol for executions. Now, I know a lot of you may disagree with Marcos Breton and, and myself on the notion of the death penalty. I don't think it should be um, exercised frequently, but there are some people that have worked so hard to earn it that I think it would be immoral to deny it to them. And we do welcome your contrary opinions, which you can, be, which you can certainly send to info at radioparallax.com. This might be a good time to remind you that the opinions heard on this program do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. We're sad to notice a follow-up in the piece we did with Cosmo Garvin some, uh, some time back that apparently Sacramento County has now approved development in the Cordova Hills area south of Interstate 50. I've been sitting on an editorial piece by Stuart Leavenworth of the Sacramento Bee, which... Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, it was not very influential in swaying the opinion of the county supervisors. But to quote from Mr. Leavenworth, someone else we should bring on this program, by the way. In an all-too-familiar pattern, land speculators purchase a ranch on the periphery of existing cities. Hungry for new tax revenue, particularly the sales tax that flows from a major shopping center, Sacramento County eagerly processes permits for the project regardless of impacts on traffic, air quality, nearby cities, or the region's overall real estate market. It's happening again. Noted he in the December 16th piece, 
Last week, Sacramento County supervisors were on the verge of approving Cordova Hills, a 2,700-acre project east of Rancho Cordova. The only reason they delayed was because of persistent questions by Supervisor Phil Cerna. He's skeptical that the county has adequately analyzed the project's potential impacts, particularly if Cordova Hills fails to attract a planned university to the site. Asked Leavenworth, why is Sacramento County considering approval of a project that would add 8,000 housing units and 1.3 million square feet of commercial space to a market that is oversaturated? He goes on to say the conventional and cynical answer is that county supervisors are feathering their political nests. Are feathering their political nests. The building industry is a major campaign contributor. By approving Cordova Hills, elected officials can be assured of campaign support and have no fear they'll be threatened by developer-backed opponents. The entire B editorial board also sounded off on this topic um, last month, saying the county should reject leapfrog Cordova Hills. Noting that all the environmental analysis of this program was done with the assumption that a university was going to be built. It was assumed that many of the people who moved to the new houses in Cordova Hills would work at the university, thus reducing the amount of driving and greenhouse gas emissions. It was assumed many students and university employees would bicycle to and around the campus or use public transportation. But of course, as we talked about with Cosmo in this program, a lot of this is about getting a nice big access road in the south part of the county, which was going to just fuel future demand for more such development out in our rural areas, which should probably be protected from this urban sprawl. And uh, Phil Cerna himself sounded off in a special to the B in, in the editorial pages on last Sunday, January 27th, and we would refer you to that for yet more information on this. Chris, we would note that the Sacramento News and Review saw this coming last month. Their editorial pages noted that uh, when it came to this development at Cordova Hills, with so much being uh, hinging on this matter of the university, they noted, well, except that there is no university. There's no doubt that the developer wants one, but it simply doesn't have one secured, even after all this time. This might be a good time to introduce a, uh, an editorial piece that apparently I've been sitting on since October of 2011. It isn't exactly terribly uh, time-dated. I guess that's why I can get away with uh, uh, sitting on it for so long. But in a special to the Bee, Candy Chan, who is a writer who lives in Rancho Murrieta, wrote that bundling allows land barons to cozy up to county supervisors in her special to the Bee, which I think I'll quote from a bit. Call me a cynic, call me disillusioned, but when it comes to politicians and special interests, don't call me naive anymore. For years, my neighbor tried to warn me. When things don't make sense, he insisted, when you can't figure out why people do what they do, follow the money. She goes on, to follow the money, lean forward, because the password I'm about to whisper is bundling. Here's a little background. Most Sacramento County supervisors have a history of supporting controversial development projects, including my own community, despite overwhelming citizen and higher government opposition. She notes that unlike many local governments, the Sacramento County Board of Supervisors maintains strict contribution limits, saying that even during the height of election cycles, the maximum allowable donation is $500 from individuals and $1,000 from large organizations. She notes that unfortunately, developer reps are adept at performing end runs around good intentions, and that's where bundling comes in. She says, here's how it works. A special interest designates a person to head a funding effort. Then that person's friends, relatives, and colleagues donate to a targeted politician. For example, it's not uncommon for developers to host fundraising parties. Pass the wine. Everybody's happy. 
such as the one mega developer Angelo Sacopoulos threw at a family mansion for Jimmy Yee when he was running for supervisor in 2006. In case your invitations were lost in the mail, this is how it's played. At bundling parties, guests contribute the legal maximum and not a penny more. And it's hard to track. But she notes through a rather archaic system at the county election office, one can research contribution disclosure statements. And if you have lots of time on your hands, as apparently I do, she says, you'll discover that developers, along with their relatives, representatives, attorneys, and their attorney's relatives, create a long list of donors, each giving the legal maximum. And there are other bundling methods. Election records indicate that Sakopoulos is also given under the name of various LLCs, each belonging to himself. She asks, so how does bundling move some supervisors' votes? Ultimately, the political recipient knows to whom favors are owed. Not necessarily to individuals with names on checks, but to the person who made the bundle of money appear in the first place. Just like magic. Noted Chant, back in 2011, so it shouldn't be a surprise that Sacramento County just gave the tentative green light to open 20,000 additional acres for new growth projects. She closes by noting the economic impact. A few years ago, Forbes named Greater Sacramento number one for the nation's worst real estate market. Aside from banking nightmares driven by risky loans, Forbes claimed overbuilding by Sacramento-based developers skewed our supply-demand ratio, fueling our region's economic freefall. Concluded by noting, no doubt bundling generates lucrative returns, but not for you and me. It's a sneaky, under-the-radar way to move political mountains while maintaining an illusion of integrity. So, my naivete is over. It's about following the money every single time. All right, I got about three minutes left in the segment. Uh, let's see, I've got an Oliver Stone and Peter Kuznick essay about uh, Obama, which I think I'll defer to next week. And I do have to quote one paragraph from The Economist about Obama's second term, which is, there's much to like about the foreign policies pursued by President Barack Obama during his first years in office. Rational and reasonable, they have blended strategic optimism with tactical caution and tempered grand visions with careful weighing of costs. Only one flaw has betrayed Mr. Obama's thoughtful plans. Time and time again, they have not really worked. The piece goes on to note that uh, important countries and regions are glaringly absent from the to-do list currently circulating in official Washington, noting that a presidential briefing book from the well-connected Brookings Institution does not include a serious push on climate change. It does urge an easing of the Cuban embargo, but uh, doesn't know much to say about Brazil, Indonesia, Mexico, South Africa, or Turkey. Peace notes that Obama's choice of the peace notes that Obama's choice of war-weary Vietnam veterans to head up his foreign policy team with John Kerry to run the State Department and Chuck Hagel slated to take over at the Pentagon signals an intent to pursue diplomatic solutions to security crises and to complete the winding up of George W. Bush's military campaigns. Well, we hope so. All right, in the 30 seconds we have left in the segment, I want to urge people who have not yet done so to consider going out and getting a flu shot. And while you're at it, getting a shot that'll protect you from a whooping cough. The flu shot apparently is effective this year. And if you haven't got one yet, you know, there's still more flu to come. Think about going and getting one. In fact, don't think about it, just do it. I know I'm not telling you where to get it, so it's not a call to action. I'm just saying, in, in principle, get it done. But not right now, because we got to take a break. So this is Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. Stay tuned for a chat with our good pal, Mr. Ed Martin. <laughs>